For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. If a sale is made, share some of the profit with them. The platform takes care of everything else. I did not believe in anything that I do today. I'm Richard Gerhart. And I'm Elizabeth Gerhart. You just heard some snippets from our show. We had amazing people on. Listen for the rest of it. Want to protect your business? The time is near. You've given it heart. Now, get it in gear. It's Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. I'm Richard Gearhart, founder of Gearhart Law, a full-service intellectual property law firm specializing in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. And I'm Elizabeth Gearhart, not an attorney, but I work at Gearhart Law doing the marketing and I have my own startups. Welcome to Passage to Profit, everyone. The road to entrepreneurship where we talk with startups, small businesses, and discuss the intellectual property that helps them flourish. We have Matt McWilliams, affiliate marketing expert expert, otherwise known as the affiliate guy. And he's worked with people like Shark Tanks, Kevin Harrington, and Zig Ziglar's company too. So he's going to have a lot of information about affiliate marketing for us. Then we have Matt Merritt with SnapBuild. So if you've ever had something built for you and your builder hasn't used this, shame on them. So if you're having any building done and for all you builders out there, you want to check out SnapBuild, Matt's going to explain all about it. It's amazing. And then we have Joni Isinger, who is a Gearheart Law client, and she is a spiritual healer, a channel, and a guide. And she has Joni's White Light Healing. And I have gone on her website. She's amazing. But before we get to our distinguished guests, it's time for IP in the news. And we're going to be talking about trademarks and Everybody's heard of the band Earth, Wind, and Fire, right? Hope so. Right. Uh, very famous band. And, you know, famous bands, lots of times they have the tribute bands, right? So it turns out that Earth, Wind, and Fire decided to sue a tribute band for trademark infringement. They're named Earth, Wind, and Fire Legacy Reunion. And so that's the name of the tribute band. Well, not to just take this lying down, the Earth, Wind, and Fire Legacy Reunion tribute band counterclaimed in the lawsuit against Earth, Wind, and Fire, claiming that the Earth, Wind, and Fire band, the original band, had abandoned their trademark because they let so many other tribute bands use the terms Earth, Wind, and Fire that their trademark rights got diluted and became weak. Right. So they have September, a tribute to Earth, Wind, and Fire, as well as Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute. So some of the people in this tribute band that they are going after, though, were backup people in the yeah, actual Earth, Wind, Wind, and Fire. Right. So I, I don't know if there's some like sort of animosity there because of a past relationship, but it does seem kind of strange that they would go after just one of these. Right. Seems a little unfair that Earth, Wind, and Fire would pick on this one particular band when there seems to be at least 10 or 15 out there using the words Earth, Wind, and Fire. But on the other hand, I think it's a great lesson. That is, if you just don't enforce your trademark, then your trademark becomes vulnerable over time if other people start using it. Right. And I do want to say, since we deal with intellectual property, that we found this article on Billboard Online, and it was written by Bill Donahue. So thank yeah, you, Bill. Now it's time for Richard's Roundtable, and I'm going to ask our phenomenal guests today what they think about this situation. And I'm going to start with Kenya Gibson. Kenya? I knew you were going to pick on me first. <laughs> <laughs> when 
I think is interesting is, you know, when you think about the whole like cover band situation, right? Like there's probably so many other cover bands who could find themselves in a uh, similar scenario. But like, I guess, what are the rules of the road in terms of music in general? Who can use your music? Who can sing your music? Like, I know there's a lot of royalty stipulations that go into the repurpose or the reuse of music. So I wonder how that plays all into this. And I think the main theme of your snippet, though, was just the use of the earth, wind and fire phrase itself. Am I correct? Yeah, the bands have to pay earth, wind and fire royalties, right? And usually the law is pretty clear that as long as you are showing in your name that it is, in fact, a tribute band, then you can get away with it. Some of the bands that were not sued were September, a tribute to earth, wind and fire. And let's groove tonight the ultimate Earth, Wind, and Fire tribute band. So those bands would argue, well, we're different enough from Earth, Wind, and Fire, and everybody knows that we're a tribute band. The one that got sued was Earth, Wind, and Fire Legacy Reunion. And that sounds like it could actually be Earth, Wind, and Fire reuniting, right? And so maybe that's why they got upset about it. You even got to be careful how you name your tribute band. Mac McWilliams. I think it's what you just said. I mean, the name, to me, I mean, that sounds like I'm going to see Earth, Wind, and Fire. You know, maybe with like the original members. You know, I mean, if, if you had a band called Almond Brothers Legacy Reunion, I would assume all but the dead Almond Brothers are going to be there. That's what it sounds like to me. One of the things that that brought out in the article is people bought tickets thinking there you go that this was Earth, Wind & Fire and they got upset and people were asking for their money back. So it's kind of an odd situation. Matt Merritt. I've actually had to defend myself in the past. And so if you do not defend it and you do leave it open for interpretation, it erodes the value and it erodes your position overall. I'm following along with you guys that the reality of the situation is it could very well be that they are the actual reunion man. And uh, I could see where that would be misleading. Joni, what are your thoughts? My take on this is that both parties had the opportunity to learn and balance and create something better for what is going on, which is a battle between who's right and who's wrong. A lot of times people will take somebody else's trademark and tweak it a little or add something to the end or whatever, and that doesn't work. <laughs> you can't do that. Right. But there is a place you can go to learn more about trademarks. Where would you go? Well, I'd go to learnmoreaboutTrademarks.com, and I would download our free information <laughs> packet on trademarks <laughs> and possibly book a consultation with me at learnmoreaboutTrademarks.com. Time now for Matt McWilliams, who's an affiliate marketing expert. I'm really a novice when it comes to affiliate marketing. I know nothing about it. I've heard the term before, but we have the affiliate guy on the program today. He's written so several excited. books and he's worked with some of the top people in business. So welcome to the show, Matt. Tell us, what is affiliate marketing? The concept of affiliate marketing has been around since the dawn of man. All we did was add technology to it 30 years ago. The concept of referring business to someone else. The ancient Romans were taking each other by the hand and walking each other to the deli. I don't know if they had delis in ancient Rome. I haven't studied ancient Rome well enough to know that. But let's just assume they had delis because all advanced civilizations have delis. Well, they had Italian food at least, right? They did. They they had the original Italian food. I'm assuming they had pizza. And so, they, you know, they were taken down and they'd say to the, you know, the one Roman would say there, like, hey, let me introduce you to so-and-so. And he'd be like, cool, thanks. That's a new customer. Your next meal's on me. That's affiliate marketing. All we've done is kind of depersonalized it in the last 30 years so that we can use things like affiliate tracking links and technology so that. I can market to my audience. You know, I have 100,000 people in my audience. 
I don't know 99,850 of them. Um, there's maybe about 100 to 150 of them whose names I would even know. That's not because I'm a terrible person. It's just it's reached the level of impossibility. And so I'm able to market to them, recommend products and services that maybe I have experience with or I don't have experience with, but I think will best serve them. And in exchange, that company is going to give me a commission. I mean, ads core, that's all it is. This really plays itself out on the internet, right? I mean, this yep. is what you're doing. You're putting somebody else's product or a link to somebody else's product on your website. And then if somebody buys, you get a referral fee. There's a line of code basically that says, hey, Richard referred this person. If a sale is made, share some of the profit with them. At its core, that's all it is. I don't see as much affiliated marketing as I think I would because I don't see it on every website I, I go on. Are there certain types of websites where this is more typical? We've worked with clients in every conceivable niche and industry. We used to play a game, we call it stump the affiliate guy, where we'd say, okay, give me your niche and I will tell you how to do affiliate marketing. And only one time did I ever have to go, wow, that was deep. It was a guy who worked with government contractors. And even then I said, well, you work with government contractors who run businesses, therefore leadership. You should be promoting leadership products to your audience. Just think about what you guys do with this show. Obviously you have other people who might want to start a podcast. They've seen how you started a podcast. They want to know how you did. Maybe there's a course you took that you could recommend. Your microphones, your microphones have affiliate links. You can buy those on Amazon. You know, let's just say 300 bucks. Amazon pays you, you know, a few percent. Maybe they have their own link. There are links for all the tools you use, your host, your website host, any landing page builders you use or funnel software that you use like ClickFunnels. I would just name a thing to come to mind off the top of my head. Those are just like the lowest hanging fruit. People ask me all the time like about videos because we do a lot of videos. Okay, so you got the lighting kits, you got the microphone, the software that's used to edit the videos or the service. Like I have a podcast editor. So people say, well, Matt, your podcast sounds really good. Cool. It's not because I'm special. It's because my editor makes it sound amazing and we pay him a lot of money to do that. Here's a link where you can sign up with him. And if you sign up with him, I get a percentage of everything you spend with him. What I'm gathering is it does take some energy to set this up. It does take Absolutely. some effort, but we have consumer products people that come on here all the time. Let's say I get the guy that was selling jam that came on and he wants to do an affiliate link with me. So we set that up. Can I just set it and leave it? Or do I have to go back and check it all the time? Do I have to hire somebody to help me make sure it's working right? There's a couple things you can do there just from a tech perspective. First of all, if you're on WordPress, we recommend using a plugin called Pretty Link. It just allows you to create a link. So for instance, my pretty link, I mentioned ClickFunnels earlier. I, I already know it because I know most of my, I've memorized them. It's mammacwaves.com forward slash ClickFunnels. That will redirect to an ugly link that's like ClickFunnels.com forward slash a bunch of gibberish. I don't want to try to share that because there's 74 characters in it that nobody's going to remember. So you could have your website forward slash jam. And that goes to the guy's jam company. Now, here's the cool thing about that. You might have that link. For instance, that link I mentioned, your jam one might only be in one episode. How often are you going to be talking about jam? I don't know. Probably never again. But right. I talk about ClickFunnels all the time. I talk about Pretty Link all the time. I talk about these tools all the time. They might be on 17 different YouTube videos, 14 blog posts, 12 podcast episodes, and in 14 emails that are in our automation sequence, right? I got to update 60, 70 of those. If my link changes, if they change platforms, no. What I do is if they change platforms, my link changes in any way. I just go into Pretty Link, change it one time. It automatically populates. Two seconds later, if you click on that link on my YouTube video, it goes to the right link. The other use case scenario on that is, let's say you're recommending a microphone. And you have a thing today where you recommend the blah, blah, blah microphone and it's your website forward slash blah, 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 right? 
Two years from now, that company goes out of business. Plus, you found a better one that you recommend. Maybe it's just, it's the same quality, but it's $100 less. And why not recommend a better product to your audience? You can now actually redirect that link to a page on your site that says, hey, in the past, I recommended the blah, blah, blah microphone. I no longer recommend that. Here's why. Here's my new recommendation. And it goes to the new link. So it becomes really easy to redirect things. So Matt, in the case of the microphone company, they have to agree to pay a commission for our affiliate links, or do they already have a program? Do I have to get their permission on, to do this? No. If you sign up and they accept you into their program, I mean, they always have the right to decline any affiliate for any reason. You know, Most companies have affiliate programs. Most companies do. I mean, they're like people say all the time, like, should I start an affiliate program? I'm like, well, Walmart and Target have one. And Apple has one. I mean, three of the biggest companies on earth. What makes you think you shouldn't? But yeah, I mean, if they accept you into their affiliate program, you know, I've always had the philosophy and most bigger programs operate by this. Like for the microphone company, you guys talk about intellectual property. You're not exactly on brand for that podcast company, they don't expect you to send thousands of customers to them. But if you get one request a month that says, you guys sound great on your podcast, what mic do you use? And you make them 12 sales a year. Why would they decline those 12 sales a year? Because they probably have 2000 use. That's 24,000 microphones a year they're selling through these tiny little affiliates. I mean, one of you, you guys are making 500 bucks a year promoting them. It's not a huge revenue stream, but to them, they've got potentially hundreds or thousands of views. So it benefits them to work with smaller affiliates like you. Now I'm going to play devil's advocate for a minute. If I talk with my marketing department and I say, should I start affiliate marketing? Are they going to say, well, Richard, we want people to stay on your website. We don't want people clicking on links going off to affiliate websites. I mean, you're paying all this money to have your website SEO'd and everything else, why would you want anybody to go anywhere else? For one, you guys have a limited scope of how you serve your audience. I call it the affiliate donut. If you think of the hole in the donut, that is your, like your expertise, the things that you're going to create products, services, coaching courses for, right? You're not going to create a course teaching podcasting. You're not going to start a podcast microphone company. And yet your audience came to you and said, Richard, what microphone do you use? Your two options are, serve them by recommending what you use and use a link to make a little bit of money or say, I don't know, pick a microphone, whatever, screw you. Those are your two options. Yeah, here's the irony of this is we do tell people they need a microphone to come on the show and we tell them what we recommend what we use an affiliate link. So Richard, to answer your question, you're sending them off site, but you're doing so in a way that serves them. They will remember that. And here's the thing. They then start a podcast and they're 50 episodes in and they're, you know, they're having success with their podcast those good feelings that they have goes back to you. That's the guy that recommended that microphone that's going to be here in two days and I get to start my podcast. My relationship with you, my bond with you is actually tighter. Kenya? First of all, I love the name of your book, Turn Your Passions Into Profits. Kudos to you for having a great title to a book. Having an online business is great, but obviously you're teaching people via your book how to leverage their passions and turning that into profitability. So let's talk a little bit about how you're helping to do that with your book. I mean, it starts with, I mean, the very first step in the whole process is actually getting clarity on your passion. Most people don't do that first. Most people kind of have like an idea, like I got into blogging uh, years and years and years ago, and I got into it from a perspective, I, I thought I wanted to be into personal growth and leadership and things like that, because I love those things. You know, um, I mean, having worked with people like Tony Robbins and whatnot, I'm I'm obviously into personal growth and guys like Les Brown and Zig Ziglar and and Tony and, and other people have had such a huge impact on my life. I'm like, oh, I want to do that. But here's the thing. 
It's actually not what I was passionate about. Like I'm passionate about it from the perspective of how it affects me. I was not passionate about teaching others. And so I walk you through this whole process. Part one is just asking like, what are people always asking you for help with? Nobody was coming to me saying, Matt, I have trouble getting motivated. Can you help me? Nobody was coming to me saying, Matt, I need help with personal growth or, or leadership. They kept coming to me saying, Matt, I need help with monetizing. I need, I need help with starting an affiliate program. I need help with making more money with my online business because that's what I was known to them for. The second question is just like, what is it that people are always saying is interesting about you? And I don't know if any of you are fans of the podcast, Hardcore History with Dan Carlin, but it's my favorite podcast. I'm a history buff. I love it. And to give you some perspective, when he releases a new episode, you guys will appreciate this, Richard and Elizabeth. It is the number one episode on every platform for multiple days. Not in its category, but overall, millions and millions of downloads. But Dan's not a historian. So how the heck did he start a history podcast? It was because he would go to Thanksgiving and they'd be talking about something that was happening in the world. Next thing you know, he's off on this 30-minute diatribe telling a story about the soldiers at the Battle of the Bulge and people are captivated. They're like, Dan, this is fascinating. This is amazing. So he started a podcast about it. And then the last one is, what is it that you used to struggle with, but now you actually are successful with? I talk about my, it's the longest story in the book, my friend, Alan Thomas, who was a, he's a weight loss coach. And his whole thing was he was 55 years old. He'd been overweight for 45 of those years. He stood on the scale, weighed 302 pounds. Nine months later, he weighed 175 pounds. All he does today is teach others how he did it. That's it. He doesn't want to help the 25 year old who's 30 pounds overweight become like a model. That's not his thing. He wants to help like the 50 year old, the 55 year old, the 60 year old, the 65 year old, who's 300, 400 pounds be able to not die in five years because he had that realization that like, I'm going to be Angie's first husband. Somebody else is going to walk my daughter down the aisle. And he was also in life insurance. And he realized that the actuarial tables had him dying. He in sees that every day, right? Yeah. Oh my gosh, he's staring so, it in the face. That's the process to kind of first to get clarity on that passion. And then of course, the whole book goes into everything else you need to do that gives you a starting point. Passage to Profit with Richard and Elizabeth Gerhardt. More of affiliate marketing expert, Matt McWilliams, right after this. I'm Richard Gerhardt, founder of Gerhardt Law. We specialize in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. You can find out more at learnmoreabouttrademarks.com. We love working with entrepreneurs and helping their businesses grow. And here is our client, Ricky, to tell it like it is. Hi, I'm Ricky Frango, founder and CEO of Prime6. We manufacture high-performing, clean, and sustainable fuels like charcoal and logs. We've been working with Gearheart Law since the beginning, really, and they've helped us figure out the trademarks, the patents, everything that has to do with product development and how to protect our inventions. And we're extremely grateful for the wonderful team that has been supporting our business since day one. Thank you, Ricky. To learn more about trademarks, go to learnmoreabouttrademarks.com and download our free Entrepreneur's Guide to Trademarks or book a free consultation with me to discuss your patent and trademark needs. That's learnmoreabouttrademarks.com for your free booklet about trademarks and a free consultation. Now back to Passage to Profit. Once again, Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. And our special guest, Matt McWilliams, who is teaching us all about how to do affiliate marketing, which I am just really thrilled about. This I had an ulterior motive for bringing him on the show today. <laughs> I wanted to learn about it the same time Richard did because I think it's something that we need to be doing on our website. And when we got the show notes for this from our assistant, she listed five distinct advantages of having an affiliate program. And I would like for Matt to go over those now. The first advantage, very simple. You make money before you spend it. Every other form of marketing, like Facebook ads can be very profitable. But if you're starting out, you don't have you know six figures in the bank. Uh, it can be difficult to commit to paying Zuckerberg a lot of money before you see any return. 
So the being profitable before you actually have to spend anything is super helpful. You only pay for performance. That's the big thing. You might spend $10,000 on Facebook ads and see nothing. I tell people all the time, you want to run ads, you can only spend what you're willing to lose. There's no way you possibly lose money because you only pay for the transactions. The second thing is it's infinitely scalable. You know, you run a good Facebook ad, you ran a good Facebook ad. It'll probably run its course in three or four months and die off. But with affiliates, they refer other people. If you go work your butt off to find 10 really good affiliates, they will refer you five to 10 really good affiliates. They talk to each other. They'll see people in their niche promoting you and go, huh, they're promoting him. I wonder if they have an affiliate program. I wonder if I could sign up for that. I wonder if I could promote that too. And everybody has an audience today. It used to be, you know, when I got into the game 20 years ago, the only people that you had that were affiliates were people who had email lists, people who had audiences, actual other businesses. Everybody has an audience today. Everybody has at least 50 people in their social network that they could market to. And so everybody's a potential affiliate. The third thing is there's no guessing at targeting. When I got into online business, you know, in the early 2000s, it was like the wild, wild west. There was no demographic, psychographic, any type of targeting. You basically, it was all mass media. Today though, like we can target, we can get so caught up in targeting so myopic that like we're only targeting men ages 31 to 33 who live in a certain area with 3.2 kids, their favorite football teams in the NFC West, you know? And it just, it's like, what is going on here? So there's no guessing at targeting because the affiliates do it for you. The fourth one is just the warmth of the prospects. If you think about it, an affiliate is a third party saying nice things about you. So when they refer somebody to you, they're already halfway there. They're saying nice things about you before they come to your site. And then the fifth one is just success equals more success. When you get a couple of affiliates, you get a couple more and it starts to build on itself. And these affiliates become competitive with each other. And you can do things like contests and prizes and things like that, where now, you know, they all want to be the top affiliate or they all want to be one of your top 10 affiliates. I just did this. I just promoted something as an affiliate. And my goal was I hadn't finished in the top 10 in this big affiliate launch, one of the biggest on the internet. I hadn't finished in the top 10 since 2018. I'm like, this is the year I'm going to finish top 10 again. And we pulled out everything we could as a team, you know, to be able to do that. And we did. And, and so that competition drove me to make more sales for them. It came less about making the sales for them and more about the fact that I have a bit of an ego and wanted to finish top 10. And so it leads to that. Whereas again, Facebook ads don't do that. Other forms of advertising don't do that, but affiliates do. You say you talk about your affiliates all the time. Is that something that you feel is really important? So what if you have 50 affiliates? Do you talk, now you talk about pretty links and you talk about click funnels. What do you do about the other hundred or however many you have? I promote them in context. So the other day I did a video and it was all about setting up a funnel. So of course I talked about click funnels, you know, because that's the software. I did a video recently where I talked about the new FTC guidelines. How could you connect to that? Well, there are tools to monitor. Brand Verity's one. There's a couple others. Uh, Brand Verity is the one that we use. And I don't necessarily recommend them because they're super expensive. I So I don't recommend them to most people. I recommend some less expensive alternatives if you just have a small affiliate program. So I was like, if you want to monitor your affiliates, because as now that one of the clarifications they released this year is you are in charge. If you are an affiliate manager, you're running an affiliate program, you are in charge of monitoring your affiliates. Well, there's automated tools out there that are $19.95 a month that'll do the work for you. So I recommended those in the episode. So it's all about context. So when I release an episode, when I release content, I'm either selling something of my own or I'm recommending some things as an affiliate because I can't afford as a business owner to write a 4,000 word blog post and pay a copywriter to do that and do the research. And we spend 20 hours putting that content together and make $0. Like 
if I can sell 10 of those subscriptions to that FTC, you know, monitoring stuff and I make 10 bucks a month for the next 10 years off of it, okay, that paid for the time it took to write that post. So you just have to think like, what could I sell? What are the products? How does this tie into the affiliate programs that I promote? Bigger the audience, the more money you're going to make. I mean, it really does come down to that. Our students and, and clients, and, and we are really good at monetizing smaller audiences, but all things being equal, if I have 10,000 people and you have 100,000, you're going to probably make at least five times more than me. The bigger your audience gets, you do lose some of that intimacy. So it's not always like, oh, my audience is 10 times bigger. I make 10 times more money. There is a point where it's you're like you're 10 times bigger and you make nine times more, just to be clear. What's the most profitable affiliate program out there? It's the one that best serves your audience. It's the one where you don't have to think, how in the heck am I going to market this to my audience? They might reject buying, but they should never reject the offer. If you're making a referral or affiliate marketing program for a continuing service, do you get a continuing reimbursement for that? Or is it only for the first time that they sign up? I recommend to affiliate program owners, here's the reason why I recommend you continue to pay. Because if they stop paying me, I will stop promoting them. And so I look at the ongoing commission not only as in a very attractive thing on the front end, because that's one of the reasons why we promoted them in the first place was I'm like, you know, I can do the math. If we do a big thing and bring in, you know, a hundred customers, I'm going to make, you know, potentially six figures over the next decade. That's very attractive. So you're trying to make the offer attractive as an affiliate program owner. It helps that their affiliate team actually knows what they're doing. Anya? I've done some affiliate marketing. I do agree with you that you definitely need to be passionate about what you're promoting and it has to be authentic. Otherwise, people just won't buy it and it just won't be transferable. Say you're somebody who doesn't have a whole lot of interest, right? And like maybe you don't specialize in a particular thing. Are there any products or affiliate marketing opportunities that are kind of universal in the space that someone could take advantage of if they don't have a particular niche or lane that they're in? Any consumer products, deal bloggers is another one, things like that. Those are types of things where they are more universal. You don't have to be passionate about the products that you're promoting. Some people, that's their thing. They sign up for deals and coupons. I'm assuming that you consult with a lot of people who want to start this. Is that right? And you kind of tell yeah. them all the pieces they need to put together because it's, it's there's a lot of moving parts to this, right? Like Richard pointed out, there's two sides to the affiliate thing. You can have your own affiliate program or you can go to somebody else's. So how do people find you if they want to consult with you on starting an affiliate program or joining one? Best place to go would be youraffiliatelaunchcoach.com. If you're interested in like consulting or coaching to start one, that's also kind of the gateway to our agency. mattmcwilliams.com, probably the best place to go. If you're kind of a DIY person, you want to kind of get this off the ground, maybe your budget prohibits working with an agency or something, mattmcwilliams.com forward slash first 100, F-I-R-S-T-1-0-0. That'll walk you through kind of where to like start an affiliate program. Sounds good. Affiliate marketing expert, Matt McWilliams, back with more Passage to Profit right after this. Hi, I'm Lisa Askley, the Inventress, founder, CEO, and president of Inventing A to Z. I've been inventing products for over 38 years, hundreds of products later and dozens of patents. I help people develop products and put them on the market from concept to fruition. I bring them to some of the top shopping networks in the world, QVC, HSN, Evine Live, and retail stores. Have you ever said to yourself, someone should invent that thing? Well, I say, why not make it you? If you want to know how to develop a product from concept to fruition the right way, contact me, Lisa Askeles, the inventress. Go to inventing a toz.com, inventing a to z.com. Email me, lisa at inventing a to z.com. 
Treat yourself to a day chock full of networking, education, music, shopping, and fun. Go to my website, inventingatoz.com. Passage to Profit continues with Richard and Elizabeth Gearhart. Time now for Power Move and Kenya Gibson. Yeah, so I'm really excited about Power Move. We're going to be talking about Deion Sanders, also known as Coach Prime. Besides his successful professional sports career as an athlete, until the other day, he was one of the most underestimated figures in sports. He got a lot of slack for going over to the University of Colorado to coach. And he was the talk of college football after... A great, great win that they had the other day. And it was amazing. He took a team that was 1-11. They beat TCU. And it's really excited for him because, again, he was really underestimated. There was a lot of negativity in the marketplace about him. And he really used this as an opportunity to prove all the naysayers wrong and make them believers. So I just kind of wanted to highlight his coaching style and his leadership and how he's been able to not just transform the play, but transform the mindset of his players, which is a superpower move. Absolutely amazing. Yeah, a good coach can make such a difference. So that's great. And Elizabeth? Well, I have two projects going on. Blue Streak Directory, which is a business directory of B2B businesses. And I've been thinking about how to reimburse people for sending people to be on the site. It's a recurring revenue site. And listening to Matt McWilliams today, I'm thinking, well, it's a WordPress site. Maybe I should just plug in this affiliate software and use it. So I'm going to take a look at that. They're still working on the website and we'll see how that goes. They do have a landing page. It's bluestreakdirectory.com. And I love the design they've done. We'll see how the rest of it goes. And then, of course, I have my own podcast with Danielle Woolley, which is called the Jersey Podcast podcast, where we talk about cats and we talk about dogs, too, sometimes. And Ever run out of things to say about cats? It's surprising. No. And, <laughs> and we never run out of people that want to come on and talk about their relationship with their cats and all these different things. Do you know that there are different archetypes of cat? And, it's an archetype. Well, some cats are healers. Some cats are they have protectors. Like super cat powers? They have super cat powers. That, wow, yeah. I didn't know I mean, that. We're getting just incredible people coming on. We had a guy the other day who was a physician, but also in theater in New York and had just produced this animated cartoon about a cat based on an old Scandinavian folk story. I mean, just really cool people. So I'm having fun with that. So. Without further ado, though, I would like to move on to our next presenter. We have two Matts on today, <laughs> Matt McWilliams, who just heard, and then Matt Merritt with SnapBuild, Snap.Build. And we were saying before the show, we wish we had worked when we had a project we did with the builder, wish that he had had this software. It sounds just amazing. So welcome, Matt. Can you please explain it? Yeah, absolutely. Snap.Build is really a lending platform for the building industry, as well as a fintech software platform for that same building industry. What the building industry we're talking about, you know, building a house and talking to the actual builder, not necessarily the owner of the house, but it is a technology platform that allows that builder to just be more organized. I'm not talking about building a Gantt chart and just following along and saying, well, here's a timeline of when something should be built. No, it's actually a disruptor and that it allows those builders to upload essentially their budget. And then after they upload their budget, the platform takes care of everything else. They upload the budget. And when the foundation is poured, literally they send in pictures of that foundation. They send in the invoice, uh, upload the invoice with the picture. They say it's good to go. And Snap.Build platform 
literally takes that, validates it, gets all the appropriate stuff, you know, lean releases, things that you need, and then directly pays those subs or those vendors or whoever actually poured that foundation. And so provides a complete level of transparency, not only to the builder, but if they're building it for a customer, the customer has a login and can see the absolute progress of where they are to, to date. One of the biggest disruptors that we do is that if you've ever built a house or tried to build a project, the builder has to aggregate everything. And then once a month, they go down to the bank and or they send it to the bank and they have to have all of their paperwork in order. And they hand that over to the bank. And then the bank takes you know another two weeks, three weeks. They have to send out people to make sure that the work got done. By the time that whole process is done, they finally cut a check. The check takes seven days to actually get there. And this is, this is real life stuff. And now the vendor who performed the work is 30, 45, sometimes 60 days out from actually being able to get paid. And so that real float is what they call that cash flow float is very draining on small to medium sized businesses. We alleviate all of that. We literally, when something happens in our system and it is approved, we pay directly as an ACH directly to that vendor. So the builder doesn't have to worry about getting the money, then cutting another check, then sending it down the path. It literally goes directly into that vendor's pocket, into their bank account that's connected with our system. And so it, in, on average, takes about five days instead of taking an industry average of about 45 days. And that's just a real key difference between our disruptor technology and what we have built and what we provide and taking care of that as opposed to what the industry has been. The banking industry is antiquated. You know, we talk about the FTC earlier and we talk about how slow they are to react. Well, the banking industry is actually much slower than that. And so we have figured out a way to essentially sell speed. We sell the rapid way by which we can take care of all of a builder's vendors. And in doing so, we alleviate that builder from having to do really any of the project management, any of the accounts payable, any of the get the checkbook out on a Sunday night and start writing checks, any of the having to go to the bank and deposit one from one and then start writing the checks and make sure everything clears. We just simplify that entire process. And so what we really talk about is we sell speed and our speed to market, and our speed for people to get their projects done and be more productive. So that's really important if you're a contractor or uh, a customer too, because you want the project to move as quickly as possible. And lots of times the smaller subcontractors won't do more work until they get paid, right? And so that 60-day period where the subcontractor is waiting for the money may also be time that he or she's not spending on your job, right? Because they're waiting to get paid for the first part. And that means that the contractor can get the job done more quickly and wrap things up, get paid for that, and then move on to the next job. That's exactly right. And what we talk about in that cycle is that a lot of times we find builders that are building maybe five or 10 projects a year but they uh, don't know how to scale. They can do that as a smaller mom and pop office, but now they need to start hiring people to take care of all of their payables and making sure that they're scheduling out everything that needs to occur and that the trades are showing up when they're supposed to. And if there's one glitch in that entire process, it just really slows down your project. And what kills people who take out loans and they're paying interest on their money. So as fast as they can build the project and move it from point A to the end, from the cradle to the grave and get this off of their books, the better off they are. 
And so it's a speed game. Again, here, what we look at is we can essentially turbocharge and we're looking for builders. Look, if you can do 10 on your own with our platform, you can do a hundred in a year. We'll help you do that. We have become the business process experts about how you manage the money, how you manage that process through, and how you can get from point A to point B faster than anybody else. Give you an example. Our typical build process for our guys, most projects are at least, if anybody's ever built a home, it's 18 to 24 months. Our typical project is done in 10 months. Does it also take out a lot of uncertainty for the person who's having it built? So say you're building a house. Your contractor says, oh, well, you have an allowance for $5,000 for this piece of granite for the kitchen or whatever, but you don't actually know what he spent on it. Does it actually go into your software? Yeah, we went down to the granite place. It absolutely does. So it literally allows that the actual invoice for whatever was purchased is uploaded into the system and it is stored. And if the homeowner wants to go in and take a look at that, they can look directly at it and see that that was 3500 Another typical thing that happens in this industry for the homeowner is that they say there's a $5,000 allowance, but then they spend the $3,500, but then the builder decides that they want to put a 10 or 15% surcharge on that. And it's some kind of bundled together and you can't really get the clarity or the transparency of it. And then you've asked for the builder to please give me all the receipts so that I can do a, an audit or a review of this. And they hand something that came off the dashboard of their vehicle, of their truck that's got, well, I think this is the right, oh no, I went to Home Depot and I bought something for you and for the other and da, da, da. It takes away all of that. It literally says, upload this invoice specifically marked with what is this, we'll take care of the rest for you. And then the transparency for anybody that wants to look into that, here it is. If there is a question that needs to be asked, it's at everybody's fingertips. So it really allows for this, you know, I believe a couple of things in my life that my father taught me a long time ago. One of those is bad news doesn't get better with age. And the other one is, is that you just can't make a lie come true. If you think about that, we've taken away both of those things. If a vendor and the builder want to get paid for the work that needs to be performed, then they've got to upload the right information. And we just check that. It's very straightforward. And then from there, let's just move through it. Snap.build was founded in 2014. Really what it was is how can we figure out a way that we can automate this process so that we don't have to keep adding additional people and the errors that can go along with that? What if we could just make this process a little bit simpler? Snap.build is not sitting on hundreds of millions of dollars of its own money. I'm actually a steward for banks who have entrusted their funds to our platform to our company and we make loans for them and then we track those loans for them and the performance of that. And so a way that we maintain our integrity, maintain that we don't have uh, bad loans, quite frankly, we don't have people that default, is that this same level of transparency that I provide to customers and builders is the exact same level of transparency that I rely on to make sure that their projects are performing as we expect it to perform. So when we went about looking at that, we did a lot of business process engineering. And I, that sounds exciting. It just literally, for me, is the common sense of you need to do the first thing first, and then the second and the third, and you lay that out. And then when we laid out our business processes, I called that, you come up with what we called your single source of truth. You have to be aligned on what the single source of truth is. How do you perform your business? Once we had how we wanted to perform our business, writing our requirements, we connected with a group, a phenomenal group out of Austin, Texas, 
Altus Nova software development, probably some of the most integrity-based software engineers that I've I've worked with in my 30 years now in software and, and software development, which is really what my background was before coming here. And we connected with them and said, here's how our process wants to operate. Help us put together a prototype and the crawl, walk, run associated with Let's take the first step and see if that's met in the industry with what we believe our thesis is, right? If we can sell speed and we can sell transparency and we can alleviate people's bottlenecks in this 30, 60, 90 day lag of payment, let's see if we just did the first order of importance. We did the first piece. Can you help us build that? Did you have investors? We did. This is a capital intensive business. There's no question about that. And so we do have significant investors, but we bootstrapped it like Matt talked about early on. Uh, Early on, it was we had affiliate programs. We still do to this day. We have people that bring us new customers. We have people that bring us new loan originations because that's part of our entire project of Cradle to Grave is that we can originate a loan for you and loan you the money and then shepherd you through the process to get your house built and even get it sold with mortgage bankers on the backside, with an entire, again, the entire life cycle that we try to take care of. Kenya, do you have a question? I do. Uh, This is a great platform, by the way. My husband is a general contractor. We don't build houses, but we do a lot of home improvement projects. And one of the things that we run into often is people who are maybe going into a new home and they're waiting for the closing and then they've got X amount of funds they want to use to enhance the new home that they're buying, like that waiting process on the money to be released. Have you ever thought of scaling this down to maybe it's speaking to general contractors as well in that space because I feel like it would be helpful to not have to always like wait on the bank or of the other person before you could start a project and just was curious if you thought to scaling to that place. It is on our product roadmap and that at this point we're doing larger scale builders who are you know in that building 5, 10, 15 homes at a time and moving forward. But this entire platform is we have our core processes down in our experiences. Ultimately, this will be a subscription-based software platform. It's not there right now. You can't actually just go buy our software. We literally, uh, because we are a, a full-service company that is helping not only talk about the software that enables what you're doing, but then it's our best practices. And so once we get that laid out and as we continue forward, it will be a subscription base so the general contractors can absolutely tag into our system, utilize our back end, mid and back end. Believe it or not, also be able to utilize a resource bank that says if you're going to buy that $3,500 piece of granite, here are five places that we've negotiated prices on your behalf and you can buy that $3,500 piece of granite for $3,300 and it's shipped directly to you. And we pay them directly so that you're not trying to figure out the the money pieces as much either. So it is on our roadmap. It's snap.build. Listeners, if you're going to build anything, I would just ask your bank or builder or whomever, you know, have you heard of Snap Build? Can we look into it and use it for this project? Because I can see so many ways that would make life easier. Absolutely. Appreciate it. So now we're going to shift gears. Joni Isinger is a spiritual healer, a channel, and a guide. And... If you go on her website, which is joniswhitelighthealing.com, and we'll spell that out later. And she's also a Gearheart Law client, by the way. You can see all that she can do, but I want to hear it straight from the horse's mouth right now. So Mm -hmm. welcome, Joni. Please tell us. My story is like many others, I must say. 
I was a conventionally trained social worker. I received my master's from Columbia. I received a postgraduate certificate in Gestalt therapy. You'll have to look that up, G-E-S-T-A-L-T. And I worked for 10 years in New York City offering individual and group therapy for drug addicts and alcoholics as well as the mentally ill. I did not believe in anything that I do today. I was observant, religious, and this was verboten. The word psychic, medium, healer, animal communicator, etc., all verboten, and I would actually judge folks that would do what I presently do today. Uh, around 2003, 4, 5, gifts started coming in, divine gifts. I would call myself fast-tracked. It started when I was in my 40s, and I started doing hands-on healing, getting very confused about my religious beliefs, only working with the highest of. I started reading spiritual books that were only of love, nothing dark, nothing occult. I started seeing into bodies, medical intuitive, and I must always say, disclaimer, this is for entertainment purposes. Please see your healthcare professional, mental health care, financial, and legal for all of your assistance. And then I started channeling. Folks said they lost departed ones and pets. My Joni knew how to do this. I put myself aside. I brought in the highest of. I was doing light and deep trance channeling. Then I started jumping into other lifetimes. I started learning about chakras and auras, all the things that I used to make fun of. So it took me several years to start practicing and actually figuring out what the heck was going on. I went through a period of shock, despair, anger, because everything that I had been trained from early on, both personally, educationally, socially, and professionally, was now up like 52-card pickup. Everything was awry. And then as I was practicing on friends and receiving validation that, in fact, there was accuracy, I put out a shingle. I did this myself. I thought I was going to be a private therapist on Long Island. I'm this in New Jersey. And, uh, you know, God laughs when you make plans. I, since then, have done live call-in radio shows, and I'm authored, and I do psychic galleries. I've done them at restaurants. I've consulted for employees and businesses. I'm Dr. Doolittle. I talk to animals. I mean, this is crazy stuff, and that I've learned that there are many, many people that are like I am, where they are coming into their gifts, or they have from an early age. We're everywhere. Many people were told this is heinous, this is a-religious, this is something that isn't real, and it takes a lot of strength to start your own business in a field that is not professionalized, that is misunderstood, that is mocked. And many people, I believe we are all hardwired to be able to do this. I believe there's no difference between you and me. And that many people have the gifts coming in and they have not done their personal work. And I would suggest to the person that wishes to put out a shingle in this esoteric profession, have you worked on your issues? And the more that you work on your issues, your biases, your prejudices, your fears, the clearer you will be. So when divine messages come in, it will be clear for those that you serve. I do want to go to Kenya with this. Kenya's very spiritual. Where do you think your power comes from, Joni? 
I believe that we are all part of the oneness. I believe that we are all humbly powerful and that it is not I that is doing this. I am a vessel and that the information comes from creator, source, God, spirit, whatever you wish to call God or creator. My personal third dimensional earthly power is having worked on myself, done forgiveness work, gone inward, cleared much regarding fears, and that the more clear that I have become, the stronger I am, the better able I am to put Jemmy aside and bring in those that are of other realms, only the ones that are at the highest. So you had mentioned early on that you had grown up in religion and you had grown up in other things and you felt like you had a bad experience with all of that, which is what has led you into this I had no bad experience whatsoever. That's what was so tremendously upsetting and disconcerting is that everything was good. There was nothing broken. So if everything was going well and then the gifts, the divine gifts started coming in, I went back to Leviticus and I read that I was a soothsayer. However, I was being blessed by departed ones with the rapture. I had read about the rapture, but when it comes through you as a channel, it can't help but one question whether that person is actually sinning or whether the teachings that I learned were in fact a little bit restrictive and possibly different from what could be. So what kinds of things do you channel? People ask me about departed ones and pets. I bring in their loved ones. I give information regarding why they left when they did, what their relationship was in this lifetime, whether they had karma, whether they were working on themes. I can identify what they're doing now. That's mediumship. I believe there are many realms and I believe that there are folks that go home. What I saw on your website that really fascinated me was that you can do healing so you can look at somebody's body and figure out what's wrong with them. Is that a correct interpretation of that? Usually illnesses, injuries, and surgeries are resultant of other lifetimes' unforgiveness. It's usually karmic. Sometimes it has to do with curiosity, being of service, but I'm able to go into other lifetimes to find out the precipitating event that occurred. I trip the person up so I can identify the theme that they were working on in that lifetime, which is almost always the same theme that they're working on here. And then I can also identify what negative karma they incurred to self, how they blamed self, and what they generally blame to other. We do the forgiveness work. The ties of unforgiveness are released. I call forgiveness the underrated F word. And I truly believe that that will free many people from many mental emotional, physical, and spiritual bonds that keep them very burdened. And then I'm able to go into that earthly lifetime again, where we are here, that client coming forth and see how their forgiveness work affects their timeline moving forward. So yes, I believe that there is much outside of allopathic medicine that can be retrieved in terms of medical intuitiveness. I always look at it as if it's an adventure. Whatever it is, I open up my eyes. I've got that smile. It's not fakery. It's just me being me, Joni. And I put out the hope that maybe someone will consider me for having them at a party, an event, a restaurant, find me at an expo or a festival, we'll meet for coffee, talk about the latest. And things have developed just from going to the diner. 
I've been invited on TV shows and the like, and that this has come out of just making a friend on Facebook, just putting out a friendship request. So I never know where I'm going to make my next connection. My business is word of mouth. I was just going to ask, you know, as a proclaimed healer in Jesus's day, right? He walked the earth and he did many miracles and he gave credit to the Holy Spirit of God, right? So what is different versus what he was doing and how he was led compared to what you're doing? And do you feel like the path that you've taken has taken you away from your origination of faith? So I I was born a Jew and I was very religious and we did not believe that Jesus did much. We we were we didn't talk about him. And when the gift started coming in, I would be in synagogue and my hands I wanted to put my hands out and Jesus came my third eye, my you know that movie screen we all have where we see other things while our eyes are open. And I saw him on the mount in Brazil and that's all I could see. And I am not versed in the New Testament, and I believe that we have abilities as this great soul, Yeshua, and Jesus, Yeshua, and that also got me a little bit rocked. I got to tell you, because my religious training shifted greatly, I believe that we all have the ability to heal, not necessarily in the most miraculous way that he did as he walked this earth. But I believe that we are hardwired to a degree where we can assist others by bringing in the Christ light, bringing in Christ consciousness, the enlightened ones, to help ourselves and help others. What is the difference? I am not he. I am a channel, as was he, but I am not he. I don't claim to be, no Jesus complex. And I guess the difference between religiosity and this unity consciousness, which I ascribe to, is that I believe that we are all part of a greater oneness versus possibly a religious belief that we are separate from a God or a creator. I believe we're all part of that. And I don't want to offend anyone. I share my truth. I believe there's my truth, the tr- your truth, and the truth. I just show up. I would never have wanted to have been so unhinged as I was. I don't think anyone wants to be turned upside down. But on the other hand, what happened to me is so blessed, I feel, is so blessed um, that I feel so happy and I feel joy and I don't have any fear. And I am assisting others so they can feel that they have ability to cope and understand why they are here in this life. I understand if other people end up unhinged and I applaud their bravery. You know, you're local to us and you do local festivals and stuff, but do you help people remotely too? Yes. I have an international clientele base. I offer Skype and FaceTime if they have an iPhone, Facebook video if we friend, Zoom if they give me the link. Definitely if it's word of mouth. I don't have uh, folks come to the house if it's through a Google search or some other random search engine. Yes, the divine ones love us and they know us all intimately and that I am a vessel. I don't need to see anyone. I don't need their name. I once did a reading on a live call-in show where the host read a Google question, and I did not know whether it was a he or she. I didn't know who they were referring to, but the question was just enough that I put my Joni aside, and I answered them, and I love those challenges. I don't need them, 
but it does validate for me that we are very, very loved. We are not forsaken, that we are all of love and that there's a reason why we're all here. It's a rough road and there are many that are on that road journeying. So Joni, how can people find you? On my website, joniswhitelighthealing.com. There's a lot of information about me and you can contact me through my website. There's a contact form. That's great. Don't go away. We're not done yet. We have a really fun end of the show to do. One more segment. Back with more Passage to Profit right after this. I'm Richard Gerhart, founder of Gerhart Law. We specialize in patents, trademarks, and copyrights. You can find out more at learnmoreaboutpatents.com. We love working with entrepreneurs, and here's our client, Peter, who tells it like it is. I'm Peter Olofsson, founder of On Enough. We recently were elected as one of the best invention of Time Magazine for 2022. Through this journey, we've been relying on Gerhart Law to guide us in the right steps to build a right portfolio of patents, trademarks to support our launch of our new products. It has been a great experience working with Gerard Law as they have a deep knowledge into the market, both in North America and overseas. So we make the right choices at the right time. Thank you, Peter. To learn more about patents, go to learnmoreaboutpatents.com and download our free Entrepreneur's Guide to Patents or book a free consultation with me. That's learnmoreaboutpatents.com. It's Passage to Profit. Alicia Morrissey is our programming director at Passage to Profit, and she's also a fantastic jazz vocalist. You can scroll to the bottom of the PassageProfitShow.com website and check out her album. Make sure you pick up our podcast, Passage to Profit Show, wherever you get your podcasts. We're all over the podcast world. And on YouTube. And on YouTube too. So it is time now for question time. So Elizabeth has a question for her guests. Fire away. So we are all very creative here, I can tell. So Matt McWilliams, I'm going to ask you the question first. Everybody gets the same question. How many new projects or new companies have you thought about starting in the last month? And are there any that you would actually take action on and why? Right now, outside of clients, we don't have any MMR, you know, monthly recurring revenue in our business. On the course side, it's all one-off stuff. So we're trying to think, okay, what are some software, low, low ticket software stuff? I mentioned that when we talked about the affiliate side, that's great. So my wife and I are both the same. Like we're 20 to 30 new business ideas, projects in a month, probably. So one, one a day, roughly, maybe two a day. And then for us, you know, the process is we just kind of take it through the team. Like we, we have a rule, like we let it sit for seven days. Uh, half the ideas we come back to seven days later and go, that was a really dumb idea. So that's easy to rule out. You know, that's the process we go through. So Matt, Merritt, how many ideas have you had in the last month and how do you know which ones you want to pursue? It depends, but in the last month, it's been about six and all of those are enhancements have all been, I usually get on a train of thought and, you know, kind of a chain with respect to the project that I have at hand and all that we're doing with Snap and dreaming up new things that we can implement. Typically what we do with those is on a once a week basis, we come in and talk about uh, what would be the next thing that could actually make something easier for some. And, and I follow that a lot. Probably six in the last month. Some of those have been literally re-engineering and re-streamlining how we go about doing a process to make stuff work when the time is right. Joni Eisinger, what about you? How many new projects have you had ideas for in the last month? Zero. <laughs> so I feel like I'm fully baked. And I'd say that maybe a new idea comes up once a year and then I'll throw something out there. And then the following year, maybe I'll revisit it. How do I know whether to follow it? It's my intuition. I go with my gut. If there's a wall up, if there's just this big no, I just do not proceed. 
And then when I feel like there's some type of an open door, open window, and I feel like I could move forward, then I do. Kenya Gibson, Miss Creative. Oh, I've had at least three. Typically, my innovations come from the wellness space. I'm just big on people finding the best version of themselves. So I'm continuing to work on my wellness platform that I'm launching around exercise science and neuroscience. Very exciting. So for me, it's a stream of consciousness kind of thing. I did pick another project to start. I think that the way I picked it was it just was something really fun to do. But I also think it's something that I can monetize. I like doing things that are fun to do, but I used to volunteer a lot in my kids' schools and I ran the science program where they were doing experiments and people would always say to me, why aren't you getting paid for that? And I was like, well, because I'm doing it for the kids. And they're like, yeah, but look at how much time and energy you're putting into it. So anyway, when I'm really excited and passionate and it seems like it's a lot of fun and it really be something I want to do, that's when I pursue it. So our guest today was Matt McWilliams, the affiliate marketing expert. And wow, did I learn a lot mattmcwilliams.com slash first 100. If you want to find out more and DIY a little bit, you should go to youraffiliatelaunchcoach.com. And then we had Matt Merritt with Snap Build, Snap.Build. Make building a snap. So he is snapping together the pieces of the banks and the contractors and subcontractors and materials and all that stuff with a computer program that really speeds up the process. And if you didn't hear him talk about it, you should, especially if you're planning to have anything built in the near future or if you're a builder. And then we had Joni Isinger, who is a spiritual healer, a channel, and a guide. Really fascinating conversation with her. If you go to her website, you can see the kind of services she provides, and you can contact her for help. Joni'sWhiteLightHealing.com. Thank you. And of course, we had Kenya Gibson, who is our media maven, and you can find her at Kenya Gibson with a P at iHeartMedia.com. And if you want to know more about trademarks, you can go to learnmoreabouttrademarks.com. Before we go, I'd like to thank the Passage to Profit team, Noah Fleischman, our producer, Alicia Morrissey, our program director. Our podcast can be found tomorrow anywhere you find your podcast. Just look for the Passage to Profit show. And don't forget to like us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And remember, while the information on this program is believed to be correct, never take a legal step without checking with your legal professor professional first. Gearheart Law is here for your patent, trademark, and copyright needs. You can find us at gearheartlaw.com and contact us for a free consultation. Take care, everybody. Thanks for listening, and we'll be back next week. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger. Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.